0: if the abuser dies? What if they die before a divorce is complete or as we're breaking up or soon after a divorce? What if they die before we figure things out? Jennifer Smith, True Love Scam Recovery, Narcissistic Abuse Unwhelm, the podcast, talking about today. What if they die? Then where are we? with these emotions, with our questions, with our confusion. And what if, when they die, we still think we love them? What if they die? The thing I'm going to say right now might sound shocking or harsh. If they die... You are so fortunate. You won't see that yet, but you will. When one of these creatures leaves us or we leave them, as normal people, we are left with a mess. A mess beyond description. All of you who've been in it know what I mean. I don't have to go into details. We are sitting in hell in a pile of rubble. Unbelievable. However, they are still alive, usually. And that makes more trouble. We have more trouble because they're around thinking they need to defend themselves, make us look bad, make themselves look good, so they can continue functioning as they function as a sociopath parasitic predator. If they die, none of that is there. In either case, we're left with the same mess, the same trauma, the same post-traumatic stress, a divorce if we need a divorce, That is taken care of if they die. An annulment, if we want an annulment. Clearly, if they're dead, we don't need that. As macabre or cold-hearted and shocking as it sounds, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, if they die, my gosh, you have so much good fortune. Embrace it. Now, that doesn't mean you're not in pain. Every one of us is in pain when this ends. There is grief. There's resolving loss. Managing the post trauma, untangling the mess, financial things, reframing what happened, taking in what a sociopath is, and replaying all the memories in our minds from the point of view of this person being a parasitic predator, not a human that loved us and betrayed us. One of the things that all of us go through in the aftermath is quite honestly, a few moments, thoughts, wishes that they were dead. It is normal in the post-traumatic stress, in the aftermath of one of these hijackings, to have thoughts of wanting them dead. It's a normal thing. And when that happens, embrace it as someone recovering from this. Because we're normal humans, we have a really hard time. It shocks us that we think, I wish they were dead. It doesn't come from our brain. It doesn't come from a thought process. It's a primal response to this primal situation where a predator was ready to take and destroy everything that we are to kill us, essentially, or literally. So to have this primal reaction, this thing rise from our life that says, oh, if only they would die, that's normal and it's okay. The problem with when they die, what if they die, is that when they die, we have not realized enough about what they really are or reframed what went on or resolved many parts of the mess or any parts of the mess. So. We genuinely take it as genuine grief for a maybe a genuine person that we still think we love. This is incredibly painful and also incredibly off the mark. The tragedy there is that you're going to have an emotional experience of losing a spouse to death when that person was not really a spouse but a criminal who had invaded your life and used you that is what happened to every one of us. But if they die before the pieces of that have even begun to process, and we really still we feel love them, that is beyond a lot. There is not one general way I could give as information or advice or, you know, some kind of method to go through that I would invite you to book sessions with me it would really be dependent on you and everything you believe about everything about life really specific circumstances that is a situation that would require the one-on-one coaching you can recover and restore your life here's an interesting thing every single one of us has a point in the end where we wish they were dead I know I'm saying something that might really offend some people. Probably not the first time I've done that, but it's true. To have them disappear and truly be gone is ideal. The thing is, they are gone for all of us, all the time, any time. There is no one there. There is no one there. If you're in a situation where there are children and the person is still living, you might've noticed that they contribute nothing you know, it's their job, say, to make the child's dentist appointments. Do they? Do they make sure the kid gets to the dentist? Do they pay the dentist? It's up to us. It's best for all of us if we take the position, truly absorb in our bodies, in our minds, so that we're acting from, making decisions from, speaking from the notion that they are gone, they don't exist. There is no one there. We have to make up our mind, determine to win, depend upon no one, and take our life back. Depending upon no one as a mental, emotional stance does not mean there will not be people there to help us or support us. It means we are depending on no one. We are taking responsibility. We are taking our life back. In that stance, so much support wells up from everywhere around us. We really can recover from this. We really can take our lives back fully, completely. We don't have to remain scarred or wounded or any of those kind of ideas. Email me, jennifer at truelovescam.com. Let me know what your questions are. Let me know what you want to hear more about. And you know what? It's okay if you don't believe what I'm saying. Keep listening. Keep seeking true recovery, true restoration of your life. Sending you all good things. Jennifer Smith, True Love Scam Recovery with the podcast Narcissistic Abuse Unwound.